I'm Stephen John Drew from the official GunnaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Stand by for a brand new episode of All Things Good and Nerdy. Good morning, everyone, and we're back. We have recovered from technical difficulties two weeks in a row. We'll, we'll say that now as things are running. And we are here for episode 371 of the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast, recorded live on Sunday, September 8th, 2019. And if the NFL is your jam, it's the first day of Sunday NFL games. So I already know what I'm doing after this, which is going upstairs and watching the NFL Red Zone. I'm Chris. Joining me like normal, we have the one, the only, well, not only, but Willie Nelson. Hey, hey, are we gonna are we gonna have another like twenty minute risk it for the biscuit talk in the prologue thing? No. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't think so. And then also joining me as per the norm, Anthony Bachman. Hello, people. We got some excitement for you guys today. We we're away for two weeks. We're gonna come back big though. And Anthony, how are we coming back big? We got a guest today, right? We're coming back big with well, one of our favorite writers from Action Lab. Um, Patton Oswald's favorite comic creator, David Prepos. <laughs> Ooh. Hey thanks, so, thanks so much for having me. That's right. You might remember David. He's been on, this is his third appearance, I think, on the show. He's come yeah. on twice to talk to us about yeah. Spencer and Locke, which we love. And now he's got his new book that he teased a little bit last time when he was on here with us saying, it's coming soon. It's coming soon. Well, it's here now, and it's exciting. And I've read issue one, and we all know uh, Patton Oswald read issue one as well because he tweeted about it if you're watching the live stream right now we have a Patton oswald's tweet where he said every wednesday i take a chance on a new title and man oh man did i hit the jackpot today with action labs going to the chapel slick funny and great opening to what looks to be a gritty gut bucket crime kicker and i have to say how cool is that to see Patton oswald tweeting about your book (laughs) it's super cool um uh totally unexpected uh i was in the middle of a store signing uh when uh suddenly my twitter blew up uh and uh, yeah it was uh it was it was amazing and um he was super gracious about the whole thing and um uh yeah we're very grateful for for the shout out and um i actually i got to talk a little bit with Patton uh after the fact and um so we we are using that quote in our trade for sure yes um I, I i was i asked him for permission uh i wanted to make sure he was cool with that and uh yeah he was like please use your use the quote and uh so yeah i actually sent him an early copy of the rest of the series so uh hopefully uh hopefully uh the the, the rest of the series pays off for him um, but yeah, it's been, um, it's been, uh, an incredible reception for the book, no pun intended. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, yeah, I mean, four and a half million people just, uh, learned about our book a- in one morning. Yeah, that, that's so, marketing uh, you can't buy right there is a fellow, yeah. a fellow geek being like, this is awesome and tweeting it out on their platform. And it kind of helps that Patton Oswalt's platform kind of big. <laughs> so I only have one question about this. Yeah. Did you, uh, did you, uh, retweet that or did you like, you know, I'm going to play it cool. Yeah, it's whatever. It's just, oh, no, I, I definitely re- retweeted it with the words, uh, holy crap, with like um, a mind blown emoji. <laughs> no, I, yes, I did not play that cool one bit. Uh, so, yeah, well, the thing is, is, is to 
part of the reason why I certainly didn't play it cool was um, actually the night before the book dropped, I went to the emergency room with a kidney stone. Oh no! So I spent I spent the whole night in the ER waiting for the stone to pass. Went home, slept for about two hours, and then got up for my first of two back-to-back store signings. Oh, and wow. uh, so while I'm kind of like, I, I, I was still enough pain that my body didn't know it was dead. And I, uh, that's when like, I know my pitch now just based on muscle memory. So I was able to still interact with people even though I, uh, uh, my memory was pretty fleeting. And I, uh, that's when I looked down at my phone and I was like, oh, what is this day? Um, is the simulation breaking? <laughs> Am I so, having delusions uh, because I've had no sleep? What is going on? <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was, um, I had a lot of friends, uh, uh, messaging me that day being like kidney stones and Patton Oswald, you're having a day, buddy. Um, and I was like, yeah, I'm having a day. Uh, so it was great. You know, um, uh, people have really seemed to uh, enjoy the book, which is uh, very encouraging to me. Um, we we took a long time shopping around going to the chapel, and uh, a lot of publishers said that they loved it and didn't know how to sell it. And um, now I can say, this is how you sell it. Yes. Get Pat Oswald <laughs> to tweet about it. Exactly. Book. Get Pat Oswald mm-hmm. to I like this yeah. book. And I'm it's, sure it, it probably helped that you worked with Action Labs before with Spencer and Locke, too. So. Yes. Yes, so they know I'm 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 willing to go out and pound the pavement for whatever weird concept I pre- I present to them. You'll go out and be at all the conventions. You do all the store signings you can, and hey, it's yeah. paying off because I've read issue one. I love it. I was talking about it at my local store, and I was like, "You guys, this is really good." David might have sent us a preview about this. So I already knew what was going to be in it, but buy <laughs> it. You're going to love it. And I had a couple guys that talked to me like, oh, "Yeah, yeah, you were right that this was good." <laughs> well, and 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 tell them you can tell them issue one is actually our slowest issue. Oh, um, we're, we we you know going to the chapel for those who aren't familiar with the series. It's um, about a gang of bank robbers who think it'd be easier to rob rich people's weddings than it would be to rob banks. And finding out just how wrong they are. It's like if uh, Die Hard uh, met Wedding Crashers, or if uh, Reservoir Dogs had a baby with Arrested Development and then brought that baby to a wedding. And um, so, you know, it's uh, so you know, it, up baby. It's a it's a messed up baby. And so we we've got fifteen, I think, fifteen or sixteen speaking roles, and almost all of them are trapped inside this chapel. And so our first issue, you know, uh, we're introducing all of these characters, and I think we introduce them with with enough in, in such a way that uh, people will still feel satisfied with it. There, uh, uh, our bride, for example, Emily Anderson, um, she's dealing with a case of cold feet, and she's sort of the emotional center for the whole book because she's trying to figure out like, what do I want to do? Do I want to marry my fiance? Like, do I want to try to get out of this? And um. But, you know, her extended family is also super bizarre. It's like the Bluth family from yes. Arrested Development. Oh, I got very much that vibe of the Bluths, and that's part yeah. of the really fun because I, I love Arrested Development. Yeah. yeah well, then, then this that you will love this book. And so we, we introduce them, and we sort of introduce the, uh, our, our bank robbers, who are known as the Bad Elvis Gang. We introduce the, the beginning of their heist. But um, once we have everybody sort of locked in position by the end of the first issue – we put the pedal to the metal hard. Uh, people, I think, are going to get they're they're going to get like whiplash with issue two. That's how fast it's going to move. I love um, it. And we do not we we don't slow down for the rest of the series. Um, it is it is yeah. So if people like the first issue, they are going to love issues two, three, and four. I'm looking forward to it. 
like I said, we'd gotten to have a preview of it because you sent it to us when you when we were setting up the original uh, guest appearance on this, and I read it, and I was trying to be an evangelist for it, and I was just like, "You're gonna love it, I promise." And <laughs> I appreciate it. I, I think I part, appreciate it. I think part of it resonates to me a little bit because I kind of understood a lot of the stuff that she's having cold feet right before getting married, and the husband who's all cool about it because I just got married shortly before, so I understand like all of that stress and just how yeah. everything coming up to the wedding. You're like, "Oh my god, all this stuff's going on." Am I thinking clear on things? And while I never really had any doubt into getting married, I just understand the craziness that surrounds it that was able to be portrayed there. And I kind of love the whole hashtag you even put in there at one comment, like Emily's yeah. wedding jitters or something like that. I can't remember the exact line, but I was like, yeah, more yeah that's Emily, great. more problems. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I yeah, loved it. That was, that was, that was a, I looked up a number of really stupid wedding hashtags uh, before yes. I settled on that one. <laughs> um, uh, you know, going back to my, you know, my notorious BIG love. Um, but yeah, no, it's funny you say that because uh, the whole reason that I came up with the story in the first place was um, similar. I uh, I was the best man at a wedding, and I was the worst best man of all time. I uh, I did such a terrible job of being the best man. I uh, I was living in California, and my friend was living in North Carolina. Hey. So, uh, and the bachelor party I planned was the most cursed bachelor party in the history of bachelor parties. I, um, uh, you know, first of, I was trying to plan the thing from the wrong side of the country, which, you know, that, that shows, showed him. Um, I, I remember the Airbnb was trashed. Um, I had rented some inflatable sumo suits for the backyard thinking that would be kind of funny, not knowing that the backyard was at a 45 degree angle. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> that adds I, to uh, difficulty and fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well then, then you just rolled down the hill. Um, and <laughs> I had a couple of groomsmen bail at the last second because they decided they just didn't want to pay their share of the bachelor party. So I got hosed on that. And then um, I actually wound up getting a kidney stone oh, no. uh, right before the, <laughs> the, the, the party. So I actually couldn't go. Um, I was told by a doctor, you cannot get on a plane until this thing passes. So I spent like a week, week and a half in just like agony with like painkillers. And I was just incapacitated. And I remember thinking at the time, well, at least this didn't happen during the wedding. Uh, and then I thought, but what if it did? And I thought, if, my first thought was the worst thing that, that could have happened to that wedding was um, if my friend's father-in-law had hired some leg breakers to convince him not to marry his <laughs> only child. Jeez. And then I realized, no, that's not the worst thing. The worst thing that would have happened is if my friend's wife, now wife, um, if she'd gotten second thoughts. And, and said, like, wait, what am I doing? And I realized that was, like, a really emotional arc oh, yeah. that a character could explore. Because uh, I feel like I feel like somebody's romantic history says so much about them, and it shapes them, uh, sometimes positively, sometimes negatively. But I think there's always this sense of fear uh, uh, or intimidation before you have these kind of big life-changing events. And, you know, saying till death do us part, that's that's a long time. And so if people haven't really thought that thing through or if sort of the enormity of that seems like a little intimidating, um, that's not crazy. That's being human. And so I thought that was kind of a really fun journey to explore for this series. And, you know, but by being able to externalize that with a with a with a hostage situation gone wrong, um, that's why that's why our tagline is is love is the ultimate hostage situation um because uh yeah as you'll see when you're sort of you know that's that's the thing about about being close with people whether it's romantically or it's your dysfunctional family 
um, is is when you're in close proximity with them long enough, sometimes the masks start to slip, the mask of respectability and normalcy. And then you get to see like the really the true self, uh, the super weird true self uh, start to pop out. And the, that's the kind of comedy that I really enjoy. I've been enjoying it too. <laughs> Great issue one. So there's a lot more to come. And like you said, if that's the slowest one, I can't even imagine that's what the, the next one. three are going to be like, because oh, there's yeah. kind of a break, breakneck pace, even for an intro issue on things, it starts to speed up and you're like, Whoa, <laughs> like what is going on? Yeah. Well, um, yeah, it's super fun. I, I, you know, I felt like the cool thing about writing a, a, a wedding book is there's so much imagery that's so iconic that, that sort of is in kind of the, the collective consciousness, mm-hmm. so to speak. And, um, that was something I kind of wanted to weaponize in a way. And, um, you'll see, you know, all the kind of tropes for weddings, you know, how do we turn, you know, how do we turn those on, on, on its ear during this kind of heist slash hostage situation slash jailbreak. And, um, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the the fun the fun part about this series is uh, Emily, our our, our bride to be, she's going to kind of find herself in this weird position of almost becoming the ringleader of her own hostage situation uh, as she tries to figure out like, do I want to go through with this wedding or not? And um, that was, you know, one of my favorite uh, crime movies is Dog Day Afternoon, and that was something I really wanted to take from that for this book is that. The, the line between hostage and hostage taker starts to get blurred after a little while, um, after being in like close proximity after in this very while. intense situation for not that long of a time. And there's a lot of comedy that comes from that. Um, you know, in Dog Day Afternoon, you would see that, you know, Al Pacino is, you know, taking a lot of people hostage. But within, like, by, you know, the first half of the movie, suddenly, like, all these hostages, like, they're kind of buddy-buddy with them a little bit. And, uh, you know, the the crowd outside is, like, cheering him on, you know, as he's, like, screaming at the cops. And uh, there's something... Get a car! Get a car! There's something really funny about that um, to me. I, I just, I feel like there's a comedy of being trapped in close proximity with people that... Um, it's it's very uncomfortable, but you get to be really far. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but people in like their natural habitats, they're super weird. So seeing you know seeing sort of that that respectability start to slip and people become their real selves, uh, that's fun. That's like that's super <laughs> fun for me. Yeah, I could see it. Uh, so, I'm the old man here, so I know I've seen Dog Day Afternoon, but I don't know, Chris and Willie, have you guys both even seen that movie? That's a negative Ghost Rider. Uh, I know you, of it. You should see it. It's 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 sort of one of those, I mean, like Al Pacino has a ton of iconic movies, um, Like, but this is like on that list. Yep. The, the the premise of Dog Day Afternoon, for for anybody who hasn't seen it, it's basically, it's a, it's a bank robbery go- gone wrong it's, it's a bank robbery that goes totally sideways and turns into a, a hostage situation and um al pacino's character without giving too much away it's like it's like they had brought he had brought two accomplices with him and one of the accomplices like immediately gets cold feet like at the beginning and just like runs off like he runs off like two minutes into the hostage or into the heist um and so it's it's al pacino and and his uh his lover uh and what winds up happening is they're like, oh, well, this was supposed to be like an easy smash and grab. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, you missed out like the money. There's no money here. Like we we already did a, 
a, a transfer or it's like the money doesn't isn't showing up for a while. <laughs> yeah, so the timing is like, off. <laughs> the timing is off. Um, they like totally botched it. And so, of course, like the, the, the police are already outside and they're like, oh, crap, how do we get out of this in one piece? And um, so it's sort of how these bank robbers are trying to like keep the police at arm's length and trying, but also like figuring out like, what do we do about our hostages? Like one of them's a diabetic. Like, what do we do with that? And um, it's sort of in a, in a way it's, 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 it's a very cool like crime movie, but there's like this undercurrent of the sense of humor. That's like really fun. There's another movie that I really enjoyed as well that really kind of went into this, and and I'm, people probably haven't seen this one either. It's called Death at a Funeral. I've heard of it, uh, but I haven't seen. Yeah, it. they did. They did two versions of it. Chris Rock did a remake of it um, a few years back. Yeah, the and, remake had a Dinklage, right? Well, I think the Peter Dinklage, Dinklage is in both of them. He's in both what? of them. That's right. That's right. He's in both of them, and and what that what that's about is it's about the world's worst funeral. Uh, it, it's, it's about, you know, this, this dad passes away and his, his, his dysfunctional family is trying to give him like a dignified send off <laughs> and, uh, everything that can go wrong does go wrong. Um, like one of the, is, is, is the sister or the cousins, um, brings in her new boyfriend and he's very nervous about meeting the family. So she's like, oh, well, I'll give you one of my brother's Xanaxes, not realizing that it's actually like. LSD. Oh no! So, so this this poor boyfriend is like tripping out the entire funeral and like starting to violently hallucinate. I'm or, sold. Uh, um, or uh, you know, for example, the um, Peter Dinklage's character. Uh, we find out that he was the 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 late father's lover, and he's got photographs. And he's saying like, if you don't pay me ten thousand dollars, I'm going to show these photos to your mom. Oh, uh, I remember this now. And, uh, so yeah, I I remember the Chris Rock one. I remember it being a remake. I forgot that it was a remake of a very recent film. I forgot Dinklage yeah. was in the original. Yeah, Dinklage was in both of them, playing the same <laughs> character. And and I thought it was such a funny movie, and it's got such a big sprawling cast, and like like everybody's super dysfunctional. All of them are super weird, and because they wind up having to kind of like stall the funeral a few times, uh, uh, you know. It's it, it just it, it, it made me laugh so hard. It's one of my favorite comedies. And it's all because, you know, your family is such a hostage situation uh, that like when you are trapped with these these people that, you know, so deeply and yet they knew you back then. So it's sort of that that disconnect between who who you were back then versus who you are right now and who you're trying to be. But your family's always trying to pull you back to who you were back then. Um, there's something super funny about that to me. Um, and, and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's sort of one of those things, you know, love will make people do crazy things and it doesn't have to be necessarily romantic love. Um, you know, it can just be sort of love of family. Um, <laughs> people, people start doing weird stuff, especially when they can't go home, <laughs> um, and go back to their sort of natural environment. So, uh, you know, those were two movies that I, I you know, I, I, that really spoke, uh, you know, informed a lot about going to the chapel. You know, in, in addition to, you know, things like Die Hard, uh, you know, uh, old school Tarantino, like uh, Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. Um, you know, even just romantic comedies. You know, Runaway Bride. Uh, you know, When Harry Met Sally. Uh, Bridget Jones's Diary was a big one uh, that went into that. Um, 
you know, it was it's kind of a weird mishmash of influences that go into this. That's what makes it so but, fun. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. I, you know, I felt like part of the reason I pursued this book, you know, it, it it's at the end of the day, it's a romantic comedy, um, just as much as it is sort of a crime thriller. And I, the reason I did that was because I thought, well, rom-coms get such a bad rap and, and, and not just the direct market where they don't really do rom-coms, but in, so, yeah, uh, pop- some you don't see on the comic shelves anymore, Yeah, where, but even just pop culture, I, uh, rom-coms get a bad rap. When mm-hmm. I first was starting to talk about this book at conventions, um, I would ask people, Hey, anybody here fans of romantic comedies and, uh, almost exclusively people would, would, would turn up their nose. And I, I, got, I got to thinking about that. Well, why That's is that? Because people don't want to uh, appear to like them in public, even though they yes. fucking love them in private. Yes. Uh, well, give me a good old classic Matthew McConaughey rom-com, and I'm having a good goddamn day. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> That's the thing, is that is that I think in public, a lot of men feel like their masculinity is being threatened, and a lot of women feel like their respectability is being threatened. And so if they admit, oh, I, you know, I like rom-coms, they'll, they'll say, oh, well, you know, I'm either less of a man or, you know, I'm basic or I'm dumb or I'm, you know, shallow. And, uh, I, I'm, my thought is, is like, no, like, I think some of my favorite movies have uh, that similar romantic foundation. You've got, you know, uh, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. You've got about time. You've got 500 days of summer, uh, all the way back to, you know, things like chasing Amy and when Harry met Sally. <laughs> Um, and, uh, you know, I think romance is a, is a cool way to establish stakes in a way that doesn't involve shooting somebody, you know? That's fair. Um, and I feel like, uh, romance is just as flexible of a genre as sci-fi, as superheroes, and as crime. But I felt like, you know, to, to paraphrase Mary Poppins, you know, I had to kind of add some sugar to, to make the medicine go down. And so I thought by kind of mashing up these rom-com tropes with this kind of fun, irreverent, stylized action. Um, you know, we kind of had something, we had a rom-com that could appeal to everybody. Um, and so that's why, you know, when I, when I pitch this now to people, you know, I say, Oh, it's, it's diehard meets wedding crashers. Um, and people are like, Oh, that sounds like super fun. And they don't realize that, Oh, when they read this book, there's also, I think like a really human love story in the middle of all of it. Yeah, because um, that means it's Die Hard in a rom-com. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I Cold think Feet is easier to deal with with a gun in your hand. Yeah, you know? And I, I feel like... Cold it's Feet, Warm of, Hand. Yeah, Smoking Gun. Um, I feel like it's the kind of story that... It's a little bit of counter-programming to the direct market. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think it's the kind of book that's going to hit a lot of people sideways. But... That was kind of what I wanted. Uh, I feel like if you're not putting a risk into your story, um, you know, I, I I found that with writing Spencer and Locke and Spencer and Locke too, if you have a little bit of risk to it, people will show up just to see if you like stick the landing or if you just like completely like yeah. crash and burn. And um, I kind of like that. Like I like having that audience seeing if like I'm going to screw it all up. Uh, it makes me write harder, I think, and I think it makes my team, you know, my creative teams work harder. And it's so satisfying when you know you're going to stick the landing. Um, and granted, you know, of course, we could never have anticipated getting like a celebrity to tweet about us. Um, you know, that is like that's you know the cherry on top. But I think even if we hadn't, um, you know, the reviews of our book have been so 
positive across the board. And I think it just goes to show that this was the thing I was telling publishers when I was shopping this is no one is telling stories like this. And that's why you have to print this right. is there is a whole demographic that is not being served in comics. And I think we're kind of on the leading edge in a way of that sort of thing. Um, I, I tend to look at comics existentially. It's what are we going to do so my kids can read comics? What can we do so I can stay in comics? You know, I can be a 30-year a man like Morrison or, or Slot or Jeff Johns. And the answer to that is we got to get new readers. And we got to bring more people to the table. And this should be like the most important thing that comics do. And they should be doing it all day, every day. And so doing a rom-com, you know, uh, that's the kind of story that, you know, not only will comics readers, you know, who are curious engage with that, but I think it's a story that is accessible to non-comics fans. Um, and that's the, that's what I really want is I'm, I'm not looking to preach to the choir with any of these books. I'm looking for converts. And I think a book like going to the chapel, it's so unlike anything else that's on the stands right now that, um, I, I think I, I think even if you're not a comics fan, it's 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 a book that you can really enjoy. So this is the kind of book that I would hand to my wife to read. My wife, she reads comics. She likes Batman and a few other things, but yeah. she's a big fan of, I want to read something that's different than the normal things I see on the stands. And she's right. been out of town the past couple of weeks, and she just got back in town. But it's probably going to be the book I'm going to hand over to her tomorrow and be like, hey, you, you, should, you should really check this one out. Because this is going to yeah. scratch that itch you have for something different. Exactly. Like, you know, it's one of those things. I love superheroes. Don't get me wrong. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge superhero fan. Um, and of course, you know, like I love the gritty stuff. I mean, you know, Spencer, Spencer and Locke, Locke. It's, <laughs> it's hard to get grittier than that, yeah. I think. Um, and you know, sci-fi is fun. I'm writing a sci-fi book right now and I've got a couple other sci-fi pitches I'm working on, but taking something that's so off the beaten path, um, that's, that's fun. Like that's super cool. Um, and, and, I feel like that's the thing that I want to keep doing as a creator is just kind of taking not left field approaches, but like approaches that pe some people, if, if somebody tells me this is impossible to sell, that's like, I'm like, oh, game on. Let's do this. Um, like, it, <laughs> like rejection only fuels me. Um, it happened with Spencer and Locke for sure. And, um, you know, I'll 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 say this um, since it's early in the morning my time and I'm punchy. It, you know, for Spencer and Locke, I remember very clearly a top five publisher told me this is the best thing we'll never publish, which only encouraged me to yeah. to keep pitching it. Um, and this that was before we had art. Um, they, they even just in the treatment stage, they said this is the best thing we'll ever publish. Um, with going to the chapel, I remember showing this to an editor and he was less kind about the thing he he was actually kind of a jerk about it he was just like nah and i remember he was like he was he was taking some digs at like our pitch pages and i i remember i sort of was like hmm all right i'm gonna sell this thing now like i was like now i have to sell this thing uh because that guy was such a jerk about it and uh so I, you know, I'm, I'm not that kind of petty where I'd send the guy a, a tweet from Pat and Oswald, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I always tell creators, uh, you know, at, at panels, I'm like, rejection's your friend, um, you know, because you can either take it as like, oh no, my idea is terrible and it's not viable, which, you know, if your idea isn't viable, then it's good to know that. 
But if you know your idea is viable and you know it's of professional quality, um, rejection is like the best fuel where I just am like, you know, for me, anytime somebody rejects me, I'm like, oh, I'll show you. <laughs> um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't write all of my books out of spite, but my best ones are out of spite. Yeah, spite helps uh, though. <laughs> spite <laughs> certainly helps. Um, it's a driving force. It's a driving force. And, and, um, you know, I, I remember, you know, and I, I think any creator who doesn't is either lying to you or themselves, but, uh, you know, I remember, the, the 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 setbacks and I remember the rejections and I remember the handful you know of bad reviews we've gotten and um I remember distinctly somebody saying who's who's who who is Spencer and Locke even for and boy I wanted to show those five Ringo Award nominations. Uh, <laughs> I was like it's for those guys. Um but yeah I mean you know comics is um it's a contact sport and uh, and I think being able to know that you've got an idea that you feel passionate about, that's what gets you through the rejections. And that's certainly, I mean, we got, we got rejected all over the place by going to the, for going to the chapel of publishers who were well-meaning, but didn't see the potential. And, um, that's part of the reason why I, I love working with Action Lab is that uh, that's all they do is that they 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 say this looks cool this could be a fun book and they're not necessarily in their heads about like oh what's our brand gonna look like over this or what's even the dollars and cents of this gonna look like um, they're just like okay this is a book that like you know this looks cool like let's do it let's run with it and um, I think that's starting to pay off. Those are the things we yeah, like. I, well, knowing Sean Pryor, I was not surprised to see you back at Action Labs with this one after going to the or with going to chapel after spencer and Locke, because i mean this is the company that won their first eisner for princeless yeah the, the book that introduced the concept of a princess who saves herself yeah like the action lab has always been like no we're gonna do things differently like our books are not gonna fit into the mold <laughs> yeah well you know and i think it, it, it's it the thing i like about action lab is um you know i mean they're they're a pretty streamlined operation um, I think I, and so they, I think they pick and choose their battles pretty carefully. Um, and they do it early. I, you know, I, I've, I've hung out with, uh, Brian Seaton and Jason Martin and Dave Twanch and, um, and, and I've tabled with sort of the action lab core group enough times that I, I know them pretty well and, and I know their process decently well. And I think they'll often, any concerns they have, they'll usually kind of be bringing it up at the pitch stage, um, you know, where they'll say, okay, like, is this a book that we think like, you know, would work? And I don't think they, their, their, their bar is like, oh, will this thing be like a massive, like runaway success? But just like, is this even a, like, would this hit like the diamond thresholds kind of viability? Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I'm, you know, they'll look at books and they'll be like, well, maybe, you know, this might work digitally because then you don't have to worry about sort of the print costs. And then you can just do a, a print trade. Um, and, you know, I've heard certain creators actually kind of extol that kind of that, 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 that kind of distribution. Um, and, you know, but beyond that, sort of once they've taken the pitch, um, they don't really mess around with the product, which is great. Um, I think there are a lot of indie publishers out there. I think, you know, image notwithstanding. And even then, I've heard stories behind the scenes of image sort of uh, especially their their various imprints, but image sort of having to sort of give a thumbs up or a thumbs down on you know certain things. But Action Lab, they don't really have the bandwidth to be micromanagers. Um, and I think there are a lot of publishers out there who I think wind up chasing their own tails, where they 
feel like they have to sort of keep their fingers in the pie. Um, and yet there's all these other elements that they are uniquely qualified to do as publishers that they don't do as publishers because they're so busy trying to control the story. And uh, I feel like trusting creators um, is that's the thing you, you got to trust your creators to tell their story. And I feel like if, you know, every pitch is supposed to have like a full treatment of your story. So you should know exactly where the thing's headed before, you know, you're even considering it. So that's why I like working with action lab. Um, I can tell you, for example, working on Spencer and lock with them. If I, that had been with any other publisher, that book wouldn't have worked uh, because any other publisher would have said, Oh, you can't do that. Or you can't do that. Or, or a less reputable publisher would have said, oh, like, let's really lean into this and, like, let's make this, like, exploitive, which I didn't want to do either. Right. Um, I think working with a place like Action Lab, they just, they let the creators call their own shots. And that can be an intimidating thing uh, for, for some people. You know, I've, I've heard of people say, oh, well, you know, I, why can't, you know, uh, you know, this publisher do X, Y, Z things? And my thought is, this is the best training a young creator can have um, being able to know like how do you put together a creative team how do you finance a book how do you find variant artists um, how many variants do you want to do uh, how do you market and promote a book how do you deal with retailers how do you organize convention signings i i i, I jokingly refer to action lab as uh, image with a worse percentage um you know just because <laughs> like like you know, it's 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 not the image deal. Um, you know, because it, only image has the image deal. Uh, famously, that the, the the deal is their brand. But um, you know, Action Lab. You know, even their percentages are are generous compared to the rest of the industry. Uh, and they um, they kind of they they will let you put together the book that you envision. And I think that's really important. And that's why I it always kind of. It always kind of bugs me when Action Lab gets underestimated, and I think it's you know it's in part because they've had such a a, a wide spectrum of titles over the years. Um, like you said, this is this is the company that not only prints uh, Princeless, but they also print Zombie Tramp, and um, nope. and and they're starting to get this kind of third way where it's sort of these more mature um, things like tomboy or uh, cyrus perkins the haunted taxi cab you know come down to spencer and Locke and go into the chapel and um you know there are still outlets who i think underestimate action lab uh perhaps to their peril but i i think um you know people are starting to see that oh this is a publisher that like they give you the freedom to take some risks and there are that's a rarity in this marketplace, I think. And so that's why I really enjoy working with them. Um, and, you know, while of course it can be challenging being kind of your own one man band, um, I think it makes you a better creator in it, a lot of ways. It probably makes it more rewarding when it hits with people too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think all three of my books at this point, um, you know, the success that they've gotten, it's been, it's been based on willpower, uh, you know, not just for me, but I think from my creative team, uh, because it takes a lot of willpower to deal with me <laughs> as a creator, <laughs> and um, I think I think you know uh, I was sorry that as, you know boy it's like everybody's ears are burning. Uh, my publisher just sent me a Skype message uh, <laughs> uh, 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 asking if I'm going to be at some at, at some particular shows. Uh, so uh, yes, but um, 
you know, I really, I, I like working with Action Lab. They, uh, you know, they've been uh, nothing but supportive of me during the whole thing. And, and uh, you know, the fact that they stood behind a book like Going to the Chapel, um, it really speaks volumes to them as a publisher. And I think, you know, I, 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 I wish for nothing but the, but the best of success uh, for them moving forward. And I know I'm excited to be telling more stories with them. I, I do have, we have not announced yet, but I do have one more book at least with them uh coming out sometime nice. in the future so uh and 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 probably more um so yeah, yeah. no they're, they're 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 a wonderful crew to work with I, I really enjoy it it sure sounds like it and like you were saying there's been some great stuff you guys have done together so that's really cool now i gotta ask a different slightly different question here but you talked about before how it was cool to see like cosplayers to spencer and Locke. are you ready for seeing cosplayers from going to the chapel showing up yeah for you I, how cool is that gonna know, be I've been saying that anybody who cosplays as Grandma Harriet gets free stuff. Yes. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> nice. the, 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 the hashtag free grandma challenge. Um, so, yeah, anybody, uh, you know, I, I would love to see cosplayers for going to the chapel. That would that would blow my mind. I don't think it would be hard. Uh, you know, I think Spencer and Locke, you got to really work hard at it. <laughs> uh, whereas, uh, you know, going to the chapel, you know, you just slap on a wedding dress, uh, you know. Well, Maybe that was my plan. Put it on a yeah. gun. <laughs> Perfect. You know, get on, get get you know a maroon uh, tuxedo and an Elvis mask. Um, you know, uh, don't, don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, no, I. Uh, you know, it's it's been some of the, like the highlights of my career seeing people cosplay as our as, as our characters, and we've actually, as far as I know, there's there is one Spencer and Locke tattoo. That's what I was uh, gonna say. Walk. I thought I'd seen you guys tweet about something about someone having yeah. a Spencer and Locke tattoo, and I was like, man, yeah. that, that guy's at the top of your fan list. I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, people who you know, thank goodness, like we stuck the landing of those books. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's it's uh, it's. Uh, yeah, like like you know, I I would I love seeing cosplayers. I'm always I, I always am like, oh, if you cosplay as my characters, I will give you free stuff, um, just because that is such a thrill to me. So uh, yes, anyone listening to this, um, if you uh, if you cosplay as my characters, you will get free stuff. Um, especially if you cosplay as Grandma Harriet. Uh, she was Grandma Harriet was actually based on my grandma, Grandma Helen. Uh, so it, it it means a lot to see people like respond so much to her particularly. Uh, so yes, um, I would love to see cosplayers is for going to the chapel. So uh, yes, any 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 time people uh, bring it on. Now I just want to see it happen. <laughs> <laughs> Maroon tuxedo <laughs> elf sorry i write slow what this are we planning? N- high school mask is this what you're wearing next time you go to c2e2 <laughs> willie oh this is gonna be an everyday occurrence <laughs> do it i i we we just confirmed i will be at c2e2 i just got the uh confirmation email uh two days ago so i will be back at artist alley um That's such so, a fun con and, too yeah, and we'll actually uh, uh, we'll have the trade for going to the oh, chapel nice. ready uh, ahead of that show. Ooh. So, um, uh, but uh, yeah. So, um, so guys, if you're watching so, live or listening later date, we were talking about going to the chapel, and I'm going to steal the tagline I got from I think it was either your email or Twitter. I can't remember saying it's like Die Hard meets Wedding Crashes about a bride with cold feet who becomes the ringleader of her own hostage situation when her wedding is taken over by bank robbers, and then brief aside for me yes that's as fun as it sounds <laughs> yes <laughs> i mean i'm just getting outfit ideas that's true you can find it right now at your local comic shops so go to your local comic shop pick up the book you won't regret it that's what we're promising you 
And support your LCS. Yeah, I don't thank like acronyms. Local comic shop. Thank you. <laughs> Man, I'm re-looking at the Action Lab actual list of published comics now. When they started, I was literally on my pull list. It said all Action Lab. And one of my happiest days was when I had to remove that because they had too many titles coming out. I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're a publisher that, like, they, they've got, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it, they, they've got such a, a diversity of, of content. Um, uh, and, and that's the thing, like, it's, it's, I think that's to their benefit. And sometimes I think it's to their detriment a little bit, um, uh, is that, uh, you know, we've got, um, you know, it's a publisher. Like I said, they do Princeless and they do Zombie Tramp. And uh, I know for it's 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 sometimes a little bit of a weird brand perception. I know when I've called retailers uh, for for Spencer and Locke, they asked, "Is this like Zombie Tramp?" And I was like, "Do you want it to be?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, and I forgot too. They did Bo Plushy Gangsta. Yeah, that one was boy. so good. You know that that's a deep <laughs> cut. I haven't thought about that book in a while. Um, so. Uh, uh, yeah, we've got, um, but yeah, I, I, um, you know, they've got so many cool books and I think Action Lab, you know, look, I, I, I have no illusions and I say this as a person who loves Action Lab. I think sometimes press can get a little wrapped up in what's considered the sexy publisher. Um, you know, a few years ago that was Black Mask. I think right now that's, it's Vault. Um, uh, you know, uh, Boom, I think does a pretty good job at sort of, you know, maintaining its allure as sort of a, a sexy publisher where you know if if boom puts its its marketing might behind a book you know that will sell and i think it they've been doubling down on it recently because they've gotten not just they're doubling down on books but it, they're doubling down on books by really established names when you've got kieran gillen or james tynan for example mm-hmm. like those books are going to fly because they those are char- those are creators that have established their bona fides so um but uh what I, what I was saying about all this is that uh, uh, Action Lab, you know, I think they, they, they get underestimated a lot. And I think sometimes, you know, I, I think oftentimes that's to their detriment because, you know, there's just a lot of publishers out there. And I think press is always interested in the hot new thing. But I think there are other times where, at least in my sense, it's been really helpful where you can say, oh, well, like, People have said for Spencer and Locke, they've been like, oh, I didn't know Action Lab put out books like this. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, they, they they rolled the dice on us and they rolled the dice on us when nobody else would. Um, and I, I always say I remember where I came from. Um, and uh, uh, and that's really, you know, that's important is 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 sort of knowing the people who gave you your shot and really going to the mat for them whenever you can. And so, I mean, that's why I really enjoy working with Action Lab. Um, you know, part of the reason I was so distracted was my publisher was literally asking me, like, oh, do you have, are you going to be at Baltimore, New York? And I was like, yes, I will. Uh, he's like, do you have covers for those? And I was like, I've got covers for, I've got a New York Comic Con variant. Um, and it's really good. It's really good. Um, uh, we, we, it just got turned in a couple of days ago. Nice. And it is, it is, it is, uh, it is terrific. Um, Can you name the artist? Not yet. Uh, uh, I, I, uh, it, give me a, give me a couple weeks. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll be announcing it probably right after Rose city. Uh, we did nice. just announce, uh, you know, our Rose city comic con variant by, uh, our series colorist, Liz Kramer. Um, but, uh, yeah, like it, it, it's one of those things that 
and this is going back to, to working and going to the chapel a little bit, is that uh, we've been really fortunate that uh, I wanted to sort of try to swing outside of our coverage in terms of the artists that we had attached. The cool thing is uh, we've got sort of a murderer's row of cover artists on this book it, where there are people who they wouldn't be able to draw interiors. And to be honest, they're so in demand, they probably wouldn't be able to draw even like a full thing of, 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 of variants. But they uh, they were they were like we can do a cover for this because we love this concept, and so you know we've already shown we've got you know Lisa Sterl did our our first issue cover, um, and then Sweeney Boo from Marvel Action Captain Marvel she did our issue two cover it's terrific, and then uh, issue three we just announced it um, Emily Pearson from the Wilds uh, did that cover, and uh, we got a really cool artist for uh, issue four that we haven't announced yet but. Um, you know, MJ Erickson from the Thrilling Adventure Hour did our San Diego cover. Uh, that thing, like, flew off the table. I actually regret not printing more of those uh, <laughs> because uh, people just, they loved it. They loved that cover. They were just beating down the doors for it. You still got and one for yourself, right? <laughs> I've got, yes. Uh, there's, there's, I, I, I have a small handful left that mm. I'm, I'm like, oh, I can't sell these. Like, right. I was like, well... I got to keep one. My mother and my girlfriend each want one. Uh, my uh, my artist, my interior artist wants one. The cover artist wants one. Um, and I was kind of like, well, that's all I got left. So I works out uh, perfect. <laughs> it worked out. Um, but uh, yeah, just to go back to you know what you were saying. I mean, there's something to be said for having freedom as a creator. And to be honest, I at this point in my career, I value freedom more than I value numbers. And more than I value even infrastructure um, in a publisher. Because Action Lab, at the end of the day, the infrastructure that they've got is all the stuff I find important. They get us in the direct market. They get us in Amazon. They get us in Comixology. They get us in Barnes & Noble. Um, You'd be surprised at how many publishers can't hit that simple criteria. And uh, I feel like, yeah, you know, there are other publishers where I'd sell double my numbers or maybe triple my numbers. Those are other. Those are also publishers, though. That would. I don't know if I could sleep at night because they would sort of muck around with the final product. It wouldn't be what you had envisioned then, potentially, and I that that'd be tough. Well, and and to be honest, it's not even so much what I envisioned because I I'm always willing to take notes if it if it's in service of the final product. Uh, however, I think there are a lot of times where it's not so much in service of the final product as the notes are. Oh well, this is what I think it should be, um, and it's really tough as a creator to get a sense of which notes are in the service of the story and which notes are trying to change the story into something it's not. Um, and and I feel like Action Lab because they just say we trust you, like tell tell the story that you pitched us. Um, you know, you get that kind of clarity of purpose sure. a little. And it's not to say that you can't have things change and you can't adjust things. Um, I definitely am known to adjust things on the fly. Um, Spencer and Locke, too, for example, um, you know, we had a riff on Stupendous Man from Calvin and Hobbes that that was like last second kind of like I had finished writing issue two or I'd, I, I, yeah, I finished, I'd finished writing a draft of issue two and I was just like, mm, this draft of issue three is not I'm missing something. And I was like, oh, Let's do Stupendous Man. There's a really easy way to fit that in. And so I kind of reworked a little bit of issue two to, to set that up. And issue three wound up being like my favorite of the whole run. And um, 
but yeah, it's like it's like the fact that you have a publisher that's just kind of hands off and just says, "Do your thing." Um, it's it's a remarkable act of trust in an industry that I don't think is very good at that. And um, I think, but I think I think the result is, no matter what you're seeing at Action Lab, it's a, it's it's an unbridled vision from the creator. And um, sometimes that sort of goes very over the top and 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 larger than life but i think ultimately it makes the books more interesting and more readable and uh just more exciting uh for for readers to pick up sure i'm i've loved it i'm one of those readers and i've enjoyed pretty much everything you've gotten to do with them and there's a lot of other action lab stuff i've read too probably doesn't hurt that they're just up the road too so <laughs> yeah yeah i uh my my, my brother is actually be moving to pittsburgh oh, nice. uh and so uh, I, I, I was like, oh, cool. Well, now when I get to visit you, I will, uh, I'll get to hang out at my publishers too. So, um, but yeah, no, Action Lab's been terrific. Um, you know, and I, I, I'm looking forward to, to working with them as long as they'll have me. And, um, yeah, we've got at least one more book down the pike and, uh, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully a few, a few more. That's exciting. So, like we were mentioning, going to the chapel right now, you can pick it up at your local comic shop. You can also get it added to your pull list. So we encourage yes. you, read the first Please book. Please be like, oh my God, this is great, and put it on your pull list. Yeah, you can pre-order issues two and three now, and this is a four-issue mini. You know, Like I tell all my readers, I try not to keep you on the hook any longer than you need to be, uh, both for your wallet and my sanity. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, you can pre-order issue two uh, with the code AUG191482. 83 and 84 and you can pre-order issue three with the code scp 19 13 67 68 and 69 nice so uh yeah it's it, it's a really fun series and like i said uh, you know it, it it's 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 an action crime rom-com so it's it's not like anything else you're going to see in the stands but if you're a fan of books like crowded or the fix or assassination or uh sex criminals or just any of the you know the the runs on Hawkeye, whether it's Fractions or Kelly Thompson's, you're gonna dig this book. Um, you're gonna you're gonna love it, and I think uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be the kind of shotgun wedding you wish would never end. Perfect. And are you gonna you're making the convention tour right now too? So where I can people am. find you coming up then? So I will actually I'm I'm traveling to Portland this week uh, okay. for Rose City Comic Con where we'll have uh, Liz Kramer's wraparound variant cover. Uh, we printed less than a hundred of them, so uh, you, they're I think they're going to go fast. Um, I will be at uh, Baltimore Comic Con or I'll, no, I'll be at New York Comic Con next, um, where I'll be tabling uh, uh, at the Action Lab table for as long as they'll have me. Uh, We'll have a, a New York Comic Con variant uh, that we have not announced yet, uh, but by a, a, a really cool artist. Uh, L.A. Comic Con the following week, and then back to the East Coast for Baltimore Comic Con. Uh, I've also got a, a, a signing uh, this week, uh, Wednesday, at Golden Apple Comics in Los Angeles. So uh, if people are interested in that, uh, definitely stop by. And um, uh, keep your ears out on my social media. Um, I'm at Twitter at Pepposd, uh, Twitter and Instagram, or uh, go to the chapel on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, we are trying to lock down details. I may be doing a, a Portland store signing uh, the night before Rose City. So as soon as we have the details finalized on that, we'll let everybody know. 
So what we're hearing here is you're making tracks and you're going to be everywhere. <laughs> I'm going to be I'm going to be everywhere. If a kidney stone can't take me out of commission, uh, uh, I will I will be everywhere. Multiple swings from West Coast to East Coast. That's you're going to be in jet lag hell, my friend. <laughs> I will be jet lag hell. Whoever scheduled Baltimore uh, the week after Baltimore, the two weeks after New York and a week after L.A. I love Baltimore, <laughs> but I'm dying. Um, uh, so, uh, yes. Um, uh, but no, I'm, I'm very excited about, about the whole thing. You're going to get home and be like, just let me sleep for about three straight days and then I'll be ready to do real work again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Anybody who's waiting for a script for me, uh, got to wait a little longer. Yeah. Sorry. You're going to have to wait uh, All yeah. I'm hearing is I'm too busy to be friends with Willie Nelson on the PlayStation. Mr. <laughs> <laughs> no, Big Shot over here. I, yeah, I'm too busy to be friends with my own PlayStation. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> That's yes, uh, no, we'll, we'll we'll make that happen for sure. Well, David, as usual, it's been a blast having you here, and it's super exciting to hear everything you've got going and we're converts and we're hoping that folks that listen and watch the show we're hoping you're converts too so please like we mentioned we're gonna keep harping on you go to your local comic shop pick up issue one put a pre-order in for issue two three and then put it on your pull list so you get four do it yeah do it do it you're not gonna regret it you're all gonna love this book usually i say don't tell me how to live my life but i'm enjoying how you're telling me to live my life (laughs) yeah we're enriching your life so so you yeah enjoy it (laughs) <laughs> we've made your life better here willie that's the goal well, i mean you try to every week most times you fail this week is a success well good on you we've got to bring in the big guns to enrich your life willie are you talking dicks here <laughs> no oh, okay good <sighs> sorry about that <laughs> every time every time. every time <laughs> well david we know you're probably booked up solid you got other stuff going on. you're welcome to hang out with us if you want we're probably gonna go for another 20 minutes but if you gotta drop off that's also fine too I got, I have to run, but uh, thank you guys so much for having me, oh, and sure. uh, for all the listeners, thank you so much for 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 buying my books and for pre-ordering my books. And uh, if you like spending, going to the chapel. So uh, uh, tweet us, let us know what you think. Sounds good. Thank you so much for joining us, David. Good luck, and good luck with the book, and good luck with all your travels you've got coming up. Of course, thank you guys. You guys have a great day. Thanks, you too. Thanks, David. Bye-bye. Don't tell me I live my life. <laughs> Freaking Willie. <laughs> uh, thank you for that, Willie. So, guys, that was David. We, he's, been, he's been here three times now. Every time he's come, we've told you to buy his books. So buy his books. That's what we're telling you right now. Yep. We it's enjoy. very simple. It's very simple. Buy we it. enjoy having him here, and hopefully we'll get him back here for the next round of books he's putting out. Because he's been teasing that something's coming. And while we may not know 100%, we know we're going to like it. And we know it's coming from Action Lab, so I know it's probably going to be on my pull list. Yeah, so we're going to double whammy it. And looking at the time right now, we... we we had almost an hour with David. We chatted with him. So we're running tight on time. We're going to do super quick news Ooh. and then wrap things up because I know at the very least we can talk Anthony's news, which is dated but still cool. So why don't we just roll on in to the news of the week? If you say so. Live from the ATGN studios on uh, the internet, it's the news of the week. So the news of the week, it's that part of the show where we run down what's in our minds some of the most interesting geeky and or nerdy news to have popped up since our last episode. Now, we're going to make this quick and we'll kick things off with Anthony because I think he really wanted to talk about this two weeks ago when it first came up and technical issues and yada, yada, yada. It sucked that we couldn't get it out there, but it's still worth talking about. So Anthony, what do you got for us? I got the big announcement that came at the PowCon. Yeah, I guess it was, it was a, I think now it was three weeks ago. The Sunday that the that, that uh, 
Kevin and um, uh, Mark Bernard made the announcement. It had been something they'd been teasing for a while on uh, Fat Man on Batman or Fat Man Beyond that they were coming up with a new show and a whole bunch of people had guessed all the different stuff that was coming out, what they would be working on. But it was announced at the PowerCon uh, that they are bringing a, they finally got some of that Netflix money and they are bringing an animated, uh, what's being called an anime version of Masters of the Universe back to Netflix. So as I had hoped, the return of She-Ra led to the return of the ultimate male, the ultimate He-Man uh, we're getting another He-Man series. Eternity is returning with Kevin Smith as a showrunner. Mark Bernard is one of the writers. And I'm super stoked. Um, a lot of... I know a lot of you guys... like I, don't, I can't remember if you guys had mentioned whether or not you had watched it as kids. But I was born in 78. He-Man came out in 83. So I was literally five years old. I was the perfect age for this show. And it was the coolest thing in the world. Like I had, My big wheel was the He-Man big wheel where the spokes of the... The spokes that held on the front tire were made out of swords. Nice. Like I had my Eternia, I had all my He-Man toys. I loved this show, and it's been redone twice before. They've done two different versions of updating the show, which have both had you know plus and minuses about them. Well, it's really cool about this is that they said they're going to do. Uh, it's going to be called Masters of the Universe Revelation, and they're going to take all the actual solid storyline from the original series and continue that, and. It's gonna be. It's basically gonna give you the the types of stuff you always wanted watching that show as a kid, or you know, watching the reruns later on if you watch it later. Well, you're gonna see hopefully like the actual. I mean, they haven't promised the final fight between He-Man and Skeletor, but that basically seems to be what they're teasing is is the final showdown. And the one of the most important things that I thought about the announcement was they talked about the guy who is the uh, their executive with Netflix. And they said not only, you know, because usually, you know, the biggest thing creative sphere is, you know, notes from the studio that's, you know, some studio guy that doesn't know anything. This is a guy who's one of the world's biggest He-Man fans. I guess he actually helped run the He-Man.org website, like putting information up about the characters. And they said he was in the writer's room and actually giving, like, suggestions and story ideas that worked into the show because they were so good. Some of the other writers were kind of mad they hadn't thought of it. So, like, this is a show where even the executives running it are in love with the property. So, I'm super excited to see. I mean, it's probably going to be three to four years before we actually get the cartoon. But the idea that, you know, Superman's or He-Man's coming back and it's coming back with a bunch of people that have, you know, a love for the property. This is the type of shit I love seeing when it's when it's when it's a continuation of an old property is people that actually love it. Like what they just did with the Dark Crystal. If you haven't seen that on Netflix, it's fantastic. The whole Froud family worked on it, and basically every Henson worked on it. Like it's the the families of the people that made the original show came back and made a loving reinterpretation of the original product. That's the way you do remakes, reboots, redos, whatever you want to, you know, how you ever want to do these shows. But yeah, He Man's coming back, and I'm freaking stoked because I I loved He Man as a kid. I, I love me some He-Man. I, did, I can't wait. For I did more. too. I didn't watch them when they first came on, but I caught them in syndication. And I had boatloads of the He-Man toys as a kid because we could buy them in the thrift stores where kids were cleaning them out. So I had like Castle Grayskull. I had the, uh, what was the spider thing that walked? Spider, I think is what it was or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Powered with uh, D-sized batteries or some nonsense like that. So <laughs> I, yeah, I like love the this Karnak stuff. tank. 
was the the, the big spider tank. Yeah, there, there was all sorts of stuff. I, I remember that. I'm curious to see where they go with it. They made a point of saying it was a continuation of what happened before. Honestly, yep. I don't remember where they left off in the cartoon until they tried to do their new adventures of He-Man, which was hot garbage. So I hope it's not continuing new adventures of He-Man because... No, it's, it's continuing the original. That was the funny thing was the original series didn't have much of a through line through it. It was designed as basically one-off episodes. And so for them to say they're continuing that story, that's the weird thing because, yeah, in the updated version, they tried to do like a continuing narrative. And like I said, there was good and bad in both of the remakes that they did. Because like the one where I like the one where uh, Adam actually looked like a small teen. And then when he turned into He-Man, he got huge. Like it always bugged me. The, the original page boy haircut Adam was just this giant guy in a pink shirt and nobody could tell he was He-Man. It was worse than fucking uh, Superman's glasses. Like it was the worst fucking secret identity ever. It's like, oh, why is there only one guy in all of Eternia that looks like he weighs 300 pounds of solid muscle? And he disappears every time He-Man shows up. I don't know what's going on. I don't know. It could be Man of War. You don't know that. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's going to be cool to see what they do with the storyline. But yeah, also, I mean, Mark Bernardin worked on Alphas. He wrote on the second season of Castle Rock. Uh, he worked on Treadstone, which is the the Jason Bourne spinoff show that's coming. Uh, he's now working on... Um, the second season of Carnival Row for Amazon. He's written comic books before, Genius. Uh, Mark Bernard's you know, a hell of a writer. And if you've ever listened to Fat Man Beyond, every time like they have an idea for a story, like Kevin Smith will say something, then they'll ask Mark's opinion. He'll give his answer. And Kevin Smith always yells at him, like, how the fuck do you keep telling me stories that I'm never going to see that are better than what's coming out? <laughs> like, knock it off. And, like, this is a guy, he's a hell of a writer, and he's got an amazing imagination. I can't wait to see what he does in the writer's room on He-Man. Yeah, it should be interesting. I'm super intrigued to see what they do with it. Masters of the Universe and He-Man was one of my favorite cartoon properties, toy properties. The movie's super weird, but I did watch it a bunch as a kid still. It was a weird movie. It was a weird movie. <laughs> Frank Langella is awesome as the kind and benevolent Skeletor, though. That's true. Skeletor is our hero. Skeletor is he life. People forget, man, Dolph Lundgren was He-Man and the Punisher. Like, motherfucker did work in the 80s. They had to kind of <laughs> dub over some of his lines, though. Who in, forgot this? Lots of people. You, lots of people, you ask them who was played the Punisher, and they'll tell you uh, Steve, uh, what is it, Raystone? And then... Uh, yeah, oh, I love that. He even reprised the role in the Marvel Superhero Squad little kid show. He was yeah. the Punisher in that, too. I was like, are you... How? Why? Yeah, if you remember why? him and Thomas Jane, they don't remember <clears throat> the psychotic Punisher that Dolph Lundgren did. Well, where he wasn't fair. wearing any skulls. <laughs> it's for a good reason. <laughs> that that movie was crazy. <laughs> crazy. I mean, there's only two Punisher movies in my mind. No, there's three. I know it. because I they're own all three it. Punisher movies. They're all on my shelf of comic book movies. I own all three. Don't see the Dolph Lundgren Punisher. I also own all five Captain America movies. If that tells you anything. It does. It tells me a whole lot <laughs> that you should not be able to spend your money how you want to. Don't tell me how to live my life. <laughs> I'm not saying you should. I'm just saying, I mean, I'm not telling you to. I'm just saying maybe you shouldn't be in charge. That's, that's fair. Well, like I said, it's on Netflix, so we'll all have a chance to watch it because, yeah, we consume everything Netflix-wise. Uh, Willie, did you have anything you wanted to share this week? I know you were out last week because you were at the beach Oh, oh, yeah. I'll get into some at the beach stuff uh, and what I'm into. But I, I, 
I, I do want to do a little two quick little reviews on uh, two games that have come out, two probably, uh, probably lesser known games that have come out uh, last week. Or Go week for before. it. The week of last week. There we go. Uh, the first one is Wreckfest. I've been waiting for this game to come to console for the longest time. It's pretty much a demolition derby racing game. There's also demolition derby modes in it. Um, I will say I'm enjoying it, but it's not as good as a game that came out 15 years ago called Test Drive Evil Destruction, which is, was also a demolition. I love that game. It's, it could do some things that are a little bit better that are like that game, but it just doesn't. But I'm still having fun with it. I mean, you're smashing cars up. You're, you're, there's even lawnmower demolition derbies you can have. Um, there's even a, ca- a, a sofa car where it's just like a sofa, like a couch with a motor in it. <laughs> and you can race that. I've already nice. done one race with that in a figure eight. So hard to steer in that damn thing. And it, and it, they don't give you wheelie bars on that motherfucker either. That thing like flips back on the tip of a dime, and it's still fun. So I, I mean, I can't knock it for not being as good as a game that came out 15 years ago because that game was unique, really fun. Test Drive Destruction. If you can find it on the PS2 or the original Xbox, get it. it I know it costs probably a pretty penny. I found it uh, cheap on the Xbox. Get that and play that. I, you will have a grand time. And of course, you can choose your names in that game. Like they have like so like a long list of names, and of course I had to choose wrong way, Willie, because why not? <laughs> I like the alliteration and, though. Well done. Oh yeah, that too. Yeah, and then the other game I'm talking about, which uh, also going to talk about a past game that the company, the developer, also did before about four years ago, which was my game of the year four years ago, and now they're having another game in the same genre. Uh, Supermassive Games have come out with Man of Medan. They did Until Dawn four years ago in 2015, and that was my favorite game of that year. And this uh, this is the start of their Dark Picture Anthology um, series, where uh, each game is going to tackle like a different genre of horror instead of Until Dawn, which was a whole mismatch of just a bunch of genres, which worked for the game. It's not a, that's not a, you know count against it, but um, I've already played about two and a half hours of it. Um, Sean Ashmore, uh, Iceman's in it from the X-Men movies, and uh, I'm making him the biggest asshole there is in the movie. So, And no one's putting up with this shit, because I love the... It's like a Telltale, triple-A Telltale game, where you're the writer and director of the, of the movie, pretty much. You get to steer where it goes to and how the characters interact with the other people. And uh, I'm enjoying that the most is just... I'm just making him an asshole, and no one is taking his fucking shit. Just... Like really, guy, really, Iceman, get the hell out of here! And it is, it's really good. This one is like a. Um, I haven't gotten too far into it. Starts in World War II really quickly, and I think I did something to make that part end a little early. I'm not a hundred percent on that because I've only done like one little playthrough of two and a half hours in, and uh, now it's like this. Now it's like a ghost ship, and these like treasure seeker divers are trying to come onto it. They get, they pretty much get their boat captive by these three pirates i guess and they're saying i'm the captain now it's weird but i'm enjoying it i'm wondering where this is gonna go and uh, i wonder hopefully i can make everyone live or or make sean ashmore die at least a six you know oh, happy geez. death uh, the character sean ashmore plays What's i understand it just sounded poor and i was like i, I want to clarify I, willie's not wishing an actor dead no, I'm wishing his character dead in Man of Medan. 
the Dark Pitcher anthology. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want that to happen to him. You know, some fun, some fun death. And I will say, his character's name's Conrad, and this is a knock against the game. Who goes by the shortened name of Connie when your name is Conrad? That's weird. I'm just gonna say that right now. People right. shorten their names to weird things. I knew a Chris that went Connie. by Topher. It was weird. Oh well, well, I mean that actually makes sense because that's also in the name itself. Whatever. I don't judge. Sean Ashmore's gonna die. It doesn't matter. I'm sorry. Jesus. Conrad's gonna die. <laughs> but thank you for that. You're welcome. So you've been enjoying them then? What consoles are these on, Willie? I be- I know Wreckfest is on um, Xbox One, PS4, and PC. Man of Medan, I'm not 100%. I know it's on PS4, guaranteed. Uh, let me just... Uh, do It's not telling me here. Oh, ga- uh, uh, PlayStation 4, Xbox One. I'm not sure if it's on PC. Okay. So yeah, Until Dawn was a PS4 exclusive, and uh, looks like this one it went multi-platform. Very nice. We like those kind of games. I want more people to enjoy this type of game because this is my favorite. This, oh god, I just love this game. Sounds so Sounds like to me, Will, you need to start playing these things and streaming them on Twitch again, so people. Well, can if enjoy I had the things. internet to stream, I won't. <laughs> well, I mean, if if you weren't turning your camera on, you'd probably be okay. If you were just doing a game upload and a microphone. Nope, I tried that too. Oh, I'm sorry, Willie. My internet is one megabit. Um, that's like the top speed for it. Ooh. Upload. Ooh. It took me. It takes me like a good like 30 minutes, or like maybe like close to 40 to 50 minutes to upload. I don't know, like a, a five to 10 minute YouTube video. Back when I was doing that Overwatch Wrestling League. Well, I told you he's on Hillbilly Dial-Up. We're sorry. It was. Sorry. It, it was the only choice I have. There's no other choices. Interesting. Well, you heard from Willie some games you need to play. I'll go real quick with a news story. I wanted to talk about the Spider-Man news on here, but it's been done. Uh, Let's just put it this way. It sucks. I don't truly believe that they're done negotiating and something may happen at some point in time. But if you want my personal feelings on it, I think I wrote something up that was posted online. I'll put the links in the show notes. But let's talk about something that's interesting. Nintendo just filed a strange new patent in Japan where they are potentially making Joy-Cons with a hinge on them. So I'm on an article on Polygon here, and they say the hinge flips the upper portion of each Joy-Con, left, excuse me, the left thumbstick on the left, the face buttons on the right, downward and away from the user at about a 20 or 30 degree angle. So it would put the Joy-Con on a hinge so that basically it would bend like this, which if you think about it for gaming, could be interesting. Think about it similar like the handheld controls you have for the VR, stuff like that, same kind of ergonomics. And they would still Mm. work to be able to slide into the Nintendo Switch unit, things like that. Now, bear in mind, just because they put in a patent, it doesn't mean they're going to do it. Reddit fans seem to think it's too small for this to really be able... Joy-Cons are too small for them to really be able to build this without making them be ginormous. Who knows what they're going to do, but it sounds interesting. And from an ergonomic point of view, it could make it a little more comfortable to play the Switch in handheld mode if you've been having issues that way before. I thought it was interesting, but really... I'd be more concerned about them fixing their Joy-Con drift problems that they have, where uh-huh. the left thumbstick just kind of turns to poop and starts drifting all over the place. Yeah, that was I had two two things on that, and that's one of them. But uh, the other one is, um, yeah, the Joy-Cons are perfectly fine as is. I don't see why you would need to do any kind of revision to them. Yeah, and who says they're actually going to? Just because they filed a patent doesn't necessarily mean anything's going to come of it. But it's interesting news, and it's interesting news in the Switch world because, hey... 
I like my Nintendo Switch. I play it a lot up until recently because I just got a new game I'll be playing that I'll talk to you guys about in what I'm into. Ooh, Office Dragon Quest Eleven. No, Willie, it's not. It's on the Xbox. You're going to be mad at me. Oh, well, you just followed up with a Switch. New... You know what? You know what? You know what? I'm done here. He's done. Will- oh, Willie's he's done. done. Really, it's mostly because the clock is chiming, I think, but really, he's done. <laughs> That being said, that does wrap up our news this week. The real important thing is we got David on here to talk about going to the chapel. That's what was most exciting in our news world this week. That being said, we are going to start wrapping up the show. And how do we do that? With a little segment called What I'm Into. It's our chance to share with you folks who are watching live or listening at a later date what kind of geeky and or nerdy things we've been getting into so that maybe, just maybe, you'll want to check it out yourselves. And I'm going to say, Anthony, why don't you kick us off this week? What have you been getting into, sir? Oh, lots of stuff. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, importantly, I will bring up uh, my new comics I got this week. Uh, Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number 11. Uh, Tom Taylor made. This is possibly the best issue of Spider-Man that doesn't even have Peter as the main star, but has the heart of the character like nailed perfectly that I've read in like the past five years. This is an amazing comic book. One of the best just single issues doesn't have really anything to do with the overarching story. It's just a little slice of life. One of those, you know, one day in the life of, and it's dealing with Peter and Mary Jane, and it's utterly fantastic. I've been playing a bunch of um, Apex Legends, finished off uh, the first 100 levels of the Battle Pass for Season 2. So I got my uh, Iron Rampage, the Bronze Rhino, which is fantastic looking. I love that gun. And um, I think I'm on 102, 103, finishing up the last seven levels. I've been playing uh, the new mode they added in. They added in a Wraith event uh, with a new crazy teleportation lab. And then the event um, limited time mode called Armed and Dangerous, uh, which is a giant pain in the ass. Uh, They redo the RNG for the game. The only guns available are sniper rifles and shotguns. Which, uh, so instead of the full catalog of weapons, you're down to just six guns. There's three different shotguns, three different sniper rifles in the game. And then they also made it to where there's only white armor, the lowest tier armor. And that armor is hard as fuck to find, as well as almost no meds and no armor cells. So the whole game mode, you can spend half the game not having armor, which is insane because it basically makes you one shot from almost any sniper rifle. So it's a huge pain in the ass. I've still not won a single match of it. I've got a bunch of top fives, but it's also like it's really intense because like people hit the ground running. Like you'll get, you can get three kills at the start of the matches because nobody has armor. Like it's insane. I've been playing that. Um, I downloaded a Darksiders three. They added that for the new uh, PlayStation free games this month. Was a uh, Arkham Knight and Darksiders three. So I'm probably gonna do a playthrough of that on uh, my Twitch stream, uh, Bach twenty ninety nine over on Twitch. And then I've been doing a bunch of No Man's Sky. They had another huge update. And then, honestly, I've been enjoying the hell out of some Anthem. Um, They put out the Cataclysm update. They had a problem with some of the things, so they added another week to the current Cataclysm event. Um, The Cataclysm stuff, they added in uh, melee weapons for each javelin. They've added in uh, crystal shards that you get when you uh, go through the, the new dungeon, basically. You get to buy stuff with it, wraps, skins, weapons. They added a ton of new weapons. They added new legendary weapons. Uh, They made it to where the legendary drop rate is better than it was. I did, like, three run-throughs last night and got two legendary weapons. So, like, I'm I'm up in my storm. I'm up in my ranger having a blast. And I've got enough crystals already to buy three full, like, full outfits 
that's the crystallized version of each javelin, which are really cool looking. And I mean, before like the the sixty thousand coins to buy you know one javelin skin was ridiculous, and now I've gotten you know in less than four days playing, I've gotten enough crystals to buy three full suits worth of the the special uh, seasonal event worth. So yeah, the if if you ever give Anthem a chance, if you have it, it's been sitting there gathering dust, and you haven't played it in six months, uh, now's the time to go try it out again. They've done a bunch of patches, and honestly, in the last two weeks, I have not crashed. I have not been kicked out of the game. Um, as far as I can think, every glitch that I know of that I've had problems with before has been fixed. Uh, the glitch going into your menu where it would move things around, uh, the glitch going into your forge where you would click on one javelin and the cursor would move and take you to another one. Uh, the glitch where when you go to make, uh, consumables before you start a mission where you could create three of them, but then you couldn't equip them. Like it was freaking annoying or you couldn't create three at a time. You had to make one, equip it and then go to another slot make one, equip it, like all of that stuff's been fixed. So it's been a blast. And then, um, let's see what I bought. I got, oh, I got, um, oh, what's it called? Brightburn. And I'm going to watch that on a loop because that scene with the eye glass and the eyeballs creepy and the broken jaw scene is fantastic. And that movie is super creepy. I watched all the dark crystal on Netflix. I loved that show. As soon as it was done, they auto played the, uh, making of, and I let that run as well. Um, the voice talent in the show is awesome. The puppeteers kicked ass, just like you'd expect from the Henson Company. It is a tour de force. It's it's like ten hours of the movie. It's so good. Um, watch that. I started uh, the first two episodes of Carnival Row, which is actually really good. Honestly, I think it's the best acting I've ever seen Orlando Bloom do, which is really amazing. And then uh, Cara Delevingne, who was the bad guy in Suicide Squad, if you guys remember her, another one of those uh, you know supermodels turned actress. And I remember watching Suicide Squad going like, wow, is she an awful actress? No, that was just a really bad movie. Uh, in Carnival Row, she's fucking fantastic. She's a really good actress. So with a good script and a good director, she can act. So yeah, it, it wasn't her in Suicide Squad. It was the material. And then um, I watched the first three episodes of uh, Wu-Tang, an American, I think it's American Story on Hulu. They got the first three episodes of that out. It's uh, the creation of how all the guys that make up the Wu-Tang Clan, how they all t- came together in New York. And it is a fantastic show. And some of the actors they got, like people you know, flipped out about uh, uh, Straight Outta Compton, seeing like young actors playing the original version of the NWA, seeing young actors playing you know, uh, Method Man and Old Dirty Bastard. Like seeing a teenage version of Old Dirty Bastard is just fucking funny. Like this kid is great and he's hilarious. Uh, but yeah, it was a really good show. Just lots of good TV, lots of good stuff on the games. Like it's been fun. So I tried That's to buy. I doing. tried to buy Anthem because GameStop did a sale where it was nine ninety nine for Anthem, but online only. But they wanted to charge hmm. me ten dollars shipping, and I was like, "F you!" What? They want to charge you a shipping charge for a digital game? No, no, it wasn't a digital game. It was a disc copy of the game. But they're oh. you. You could only buy the physical copy online they didn't do it in store it was online only for <laughs> 9.99 and then they were going to charge me 9.99 shipping unless i bought 50 dollars worth of stuff and i was like f you that this is bullshit GameStop. yeah that that was horse shit so that i'll go next i'll go next and we'll let willie wrap things up so what i've been getting into i Willie did, doesn't wrap things up <laughs> fair point what i've been getting into i did mention I believe on my Facebook or Twitter, I did hop on that Disney Plus deal for buy two years, get one year free, basically, paying basically 370 a month to get Disney Plus for three years. I did pull that off. 
Let's see, I also traded in my Nintendo Switch to get one of the new ones with the uh, less power-hungry processor, or GPU, rather. It makes a huge difference, actually, because I could play Diablo 3 for six hours and still have, like, 20% of my battery left now, it seems like. So it is nowhere near as power-hungry on playing games as the old one used to be. I also watched last week the uh, All Elite Wrestling's latest pay-per-view where Chris Jericho was crowned the new and first and youngest ever All Elite Wrestling world champion at age 48. <laughs> he then has I, now... I was wondering if you saw that. <laughs> yes, he has now created his own new viral moment that's gone insane. There's already a t-shirt for it where he was celebrating and talked about getting a little bit of that bubbly. And now everyone is making memes and tweeting them and he's having a fun time with it. He did also literally lose the title belt within 24 hours of winning. It was stolen, and then the police found it and returned it to him. So look for that to be an interesting segment where he went to Longhorn Steakhouse, left it in his limousine, and when he came back, the title belt had been stolen. I love Jericho. Oh, Jericho. He's so good. The dude's 48 <laughs> years old and is still not as good as he used to be in the ring because he can't do as much as he used to, but he's still really good in the ring and arguably one of the best on the microphone and continues to reinvent himself and just make it fun to watch him on screen. And then the game I have been playing that Willie's not going to be happy about because he can't play it. I did jump on that Xbox game pass deal where I could have got, where I got game pass for like a buck for two years, basically. And if you're a game pass subscriber, you got gears of war five, AKA gears five, as they're calling it early. It was available for me to start gears Batista. He's not in it yet, and he's only in the multiplayer, but Gears 5 is available if you have Game Pass to start playing before it releases this upcoming week. And it is actually really fun, other than them moving the chainsaw feature to a different button, which muscle memory makes it very hard to get used to that. They, oh. they introduced a regular melee attack and then moved the chainsaw button elsewhere. It's Can sort of... You- configure buttons to move it back you probably could but i didn't i didn't decide to do so the game looks fantastic it makes use of dolby atmos sound really well it is a 4k game that runs at 60 frames per second all the time on xbox one x nice now it does do occasionally scale things down when it can't keep up but you're still talking 60 frames per second it is gorgeous it looks amazing i only got to play about an hour and a half two hours of it so far but It has been a ton of fun, and if Microsoft keeps putting games of this quality out on their Game Pass, it's mind-blowing to me. Because you could either buy this game for $60, or buy a year of Xbox Game Pass and get all of Microsoft's first-party games included in there, and a bunch of other games they put out under Game Pass. So, the Game Pass program, it's interesting, and if they can keep putting, like I said, keep putting games of this quality out, like Forza and Gears 5 could be pretty big for them i really have enjoyed it so far and i will probably play more of it this evening because xbox has the game pass thing sony has the playstation plus where you get two free games a month does nintendo have anything or playstation now was something different yeah does nintendo have anything like that for the switch so let me clarify real quick microsoft also gives you two free games a month if you're a gold subscriber as well yeah so uh Willie, you can probably follow up and on this one, but if you are a Nintendo Switch online gamer, you get mm-hmm. Poyo Poyo Tech Tetris for free. You get discounts on occasional things, but you also get a variety of old SNES and NES games for free that have been optimized now to allow online multiplayer. You can create restore points in the middle of a game, and in the SNES games now, you can rewind if you screwed something up. 
the SNES games are new as of this week. Yes, came out on what, Tuesday or Wednesday? I can't remember. I've been playing some of that, too. Uh, same day or the day before Banjo-Kazooie was available for Smash Brothers. That's correct. So that's what I've been getting into. Willie, what have you been getting into, sir? All right, I'm not done here. I'm back now. <laughs> Even though it was kind of bad. Oh, no. Uh, I thought he was done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck off. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I will say uh, Gears of War, I mean, if I'm going for a cover shooter, I much prefer Uncharted, mostly because of the story. Gears of War, I mean, is the story the strong point? It's gotten better, and it's still fun to play. Game that's fair. I, I like killing giant bugs. I mean, that's fair, but I mean, Uncharted, I just love the Indiana Jones feel to it. That That's what I just connect with more. Um, but what I've been into, uh, so last week I uh, went on a little little vacation thing because uh, uh, celebrating two people, two of my friends' birthdays. Actually, four people's birthdays because uh, so those two actually have early. It doesn't matter. We had a fun time at, <laughs> at the river, at Pamlico River. Uh, got to swim with some dolphins in the wild. That was pretty weird. Sure, they were like 50 feet out, you know, but that was still the closest I've ever been to a wild dolphin. We could see him jumping out of the water. And that, was, that was cool. But um, there was two two sayings or two things, that, uh, two of my favorite things over the over that weekend. If you've been listening to us and you and you haven't watched Letterkenny, there's something wrong with you. But every now and again, mostly me, someone will just go, why? Playing the edge uh, is just the best. It, it, watch Letter, can you get it? Uh, and then also my other favorite thing is I don't know how I came up with this. I think we were just doing the the uh, the Nixon thing from Futurama, the little jolly sound effect he does. And then of course I just had to come out like you know what I bet Nixon ate ass. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean I'm talking about the actual president Nixon. I'm sure he ate ass. Of course you are. I'm not sorry for that. I'm very proud of that. Uh, and uh, I'm still playing Dragon Quest XI, uh, along with those other two games. Uh, I'm still having a blast. I'm actually still playing Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 every now and then. Uh, they put up those new characters for free August 30th um, uh, of Cyclops and Colossus. Colossus. And you you have to unlock them. Oh, that, mm. not nice pull with the arcade game. Yeah, I know. Um, I thought you'd like that. Yeah, you think you think that's gonna pass by me? But you do have to unlock them uh, from like the rifts, along with the also the three new costumes they came out with, which was like the original uh, Miss Marvel outfit with like the black leotard with a lightning bolt through it, um, the uh, the Gladiator Hulk from uh, 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 Thor Ragnarok, and what was the other one? I cannot remember. It probably was not all that important. Maybe the Spider-Man symbiote suit? Possibly. I can't remember. Uh, Those suits are a little too little too late. They they needed to have something better by the time of release. And plus, to get the Hulk one, you have to be level 85. Or at least that's the recommended level to beat. You have to go through a rift and beat a rift to unlock to get it. Level 85, Chris. Damn. And it's a solo rift thing, so you have to be the Hulk to get through it, I'm I'm guessing. I, I was like... That's I've only re I've like I haven't even unlocked Loki yet, so I've I've been trying to level up my characters just to be able to do that. <laughs> but um, yeah, Dragon Quest Eleven. I am just shy of eighty hours into that game, and it's still I believe there's at least twenty more hours left into it too. This is gonna be ridiculous. If you're looking for a classical turn-based JRPG, you're you're doing yourself a disservice by not getting this. I know it's on the PS4. I don't know if it's on the Xbox One. 
and I think it's coming out soon for the Switch, or if it's not out already, I'm not sure. The uh, it's called the S Definitive Edition or something like that, which also has like a where you can also put the game in like a 2D sprite mode at any time. I believe that is kind of cool. Actually, I'm intrigued by that. And I did kind of look this up, or I found this out randomly. If you beat Dragon Quest Eleven, at least on the PS4, I know for for a fact. I don't know about the Switch at all. It will give you a code that that you can put in at this website, and it will take you to another website that's inaccessible without the code. And then you can actually download the first Dragon Quest game for the PlayStation or the 3DS. That's cool. Which is which is weird. You beat a game on the PS4, you get a free 3DS game. <laughs> that's very weird. I mean, that's that, and apparently it's not like it's it's not like any version they put out of it before. Like you know when they remake those old like you know old ones, it's like something completely new that they're just putting out for free. Huh? Like the whole UI is just maxed out. I was like, okay, well this is fucking great. I can't wait to beat this game and play through Dragon Quest the original. So yay! It's classic. And uh, oh yeah, and I got the uh, the Regal Movie Pass Ooh. this week. I've already seen five movies this week, three in one night. Damn. Yeah, I went to go see Good Boys, which was okay. Movies not what I was expecting. Uh, it's it's okay. It's good. It's good. I'm not gonna. It's better than okay. It's good. Not great. It, it's a little weird, like uh, for reasons I'll I'll do in post show. Only between us. I can't be talking about this on on the thing. But um, and what was the next movie we saw? Uh, Lion King was the last one. That movie should not have got made at all. <laughs> well, they already saw... made it. It's just animated and from 1994. It's the exact yeah. same movie. It's hardly any. It's hardly any differences. Yeah. I was like, what is the purpose? It's like Gus Van Sant's Psycho. The purpose like, is money. What is? Yeah, I the guess purpose I, is money. I was doing it. Um, then uh, I can't remember that middle movie was. Oh yeah, Hobbs and Shaw. And of course, I haven't seen. Uh, I've only seen like I think the first two. Fantastic Four movies. presents Hobbs and Shaw. Fan- did you say Fantastic Four? I did. <laughs> Fast and Furious presents the Fantastic Four presents Fast and Furious. Oh, Hobbs that's a much better. I want to see that movie where The Rock is the thing, and then Statham could be Johnny Storm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've only seen like the first two Fast and Furious. Oh, I did see the fourth one, which. Which one is the Fast and the Furious, and which one is, is just Fast and Furious? That's fucking confusing. Four and don't, five, don't I, ask I don't me remember. No, no, that. the first one is one, and then the fourth movie is the other. It's They just either they add the does or they take them away. It's like, this yeah, is a good The fifth one is just Fast Five. Yeah, so I know I think, it's the fourth one. So I've seen those three yeah, movies. I think the fourth one is Fast else. and Furious. And then also um, Ready or Not, which is a... It could have been a good horror movie. It could have been. But that twist at the end was like... Uh, it was kind of like Daenerys in um, Game of Thrones. Uh, they don't stick the landing? Well, pretty much like her crazy... Her, like her going like crazy. You know, that's in the whole series. It, it, like, it, it goes from like 0 to 15%. And then the last three episodes, it goes the other 85%. And you're like, <laughs> What? You can't go that fast. Like slow. Oh, it, the character motivation at the end of that movie just like makes no sense. That was like, another oh. thing I forgot. I finished reading the first Game of Thrones book this week. That is a fucking seriously good book. Mm. And then the uh, last movie I saw was yesterday. I did an upcharge for the IMAX version, which is very easy to do. Is the I love that you can upcharge. You know, do just do a simple upcharge for IMAX and 3D or whatever. Fucking love it. 
uh, with that unlimited pass. I went to go went to go see it. Eh, it chapter two, which is uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's not as good as the first one. <laughs> That's highly disappointing. No, I mean, I mean not by much. Good. I mean, it's not like it's a bad movie, but I mean, the first movie was just better. I was like the setting of it, like the story kind of flowed a bit better in the first uh, chapter movie, chapter one movie. It's just called It. They don't call it, it Chapter One, do they? I mean, it is what it is, but. Uh. Probably not. It'd be like people that say Friday the 13th Part One. It's just Friday the 13th, motherfucker. It wasn't mm-hmm. Part One, it was just the first movie. Oh, and I will say uh, <laughs> Stephen King does a nice uh, cameo in this movie too. It's funny. He makes fun of like a, like his own writing in it. Nice. It's like a running joke with um with old Professor X, Professor X's character James McAvoy. Very nice. And well, he, uh, yeah. been a busy yeah. man. Well, I mean, it's been two weeks, man. That's true. That's true. I've just been living my own awesome life, buddy. That's all I can tell you. That's fair. <laughs> just keep doing that. You do you. That being said, everyone, thank you so much for joining Absolutely. us today. Thank you for hanging with us through technical issues and ridiculousness. We're, we're getting back on schedule where we need to be. There might be one last hiccup coming up, which I haven't had a chance to talk to these guys about. So stay tuned to the social media to see what's going on, and we will let you know there. But that being said, we are going to shut this thing down. I free remind you. Go check out the back catalog, youtube.com slash gonna geek. You can find all of our old shows there, all of the other gonna geek live videos as well. Any final thoughts before we shut this thing down, gentlemen? The demigorgon is coming. Oh yeah, that's also a thing. The the rumor I had it was my last time here is true. And it's coming. There's no release date for the Stranger Things DLC for Dead by Daylight. It's on the test TTV. server right now. Yep. Interesting indeed. Well, guys, stay tuned. There'll be more info on that. But for now. We're going to start shutting this thing down and hope you guys have a good week. Don't get in any ridiculous stuff. And go pre-order going to the chapel. Do it right now. Bye, guys. Right now. Did you do it yet? Thanks for listening to this brand new episode of the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast. Don't forget, we'll be back next Sunday live at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, over at live.atgnpodcast.com, channel 3 of the Alpha Geek radio app, and over at our network home at gunnageek.com slash live. If you have any feedback for the show, please contact us at atgnpodcast at gunnageek.com on our hotline number at 304-806-ATGN, or even better, go to Twitter and send us a message at atgnpodcast. The music you've heard in this show is produced by Kevin McLeod and can be found at incompetech.com.